All right, let's let us end this podcast before <laughs> it becomes the next day. You know now. You all know right. now that any other episode that Compare we do, it to Kong Skull Island. we're all going to be like, but is it Kong? <laughs> How does it stand up to Kong Skull Island? Is it Kong worthy? Kong. <laughs> Kong Skull fucking Island God is your legacy. It. That's uh, the legacy of this show now. <laughs> oh, this is so good. This is this is a, this is a Shyamalan we're twist. We're all such God shitty people. It. It's so we all great. thought this would be such a good idea. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right well, now. Well, I don't well, hold you. on a second. Hold on a second. You, you don't know when I'm going to release it. You don't know when I'm going to release it. It could be the first episode, it could be the second, or it could be the last. It could be the bonus. You don't know, you know? me turns out i did want to shelve um rec report for two and a half years i didn't know what i wanted from it now or how to edit it until now well kind of i've been threatening to edit and release this monster since it's 2017 recording and now i have a great reason to release it now that's right the pnb presents feed or the pnb variety hours i like to put it where it's both a podcast pilot program and our usual audio buffoonery. We scaled down and kept our Patreon to throwing our podcast up early. Could be a day, could be a week. It really depends on when we get the edit down and all of that. I like to be early on all that, so we'll see what happens. It allows us to throw away convention and bring back a failed 2017 podcast full of outdated plugs and... Nuggets of now. I still haven't touched my Wii U. Reese is so correct on Warframe, and I haven't played it since moving to Destiny. But above all, in the next few hours, hear me unravel as my car drives off the ravine and into the piss-soaked lake of failure. Enjoy! Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hey, what's up? Welcome to Ruck Report, book reports for the modern geek. Each week we pick one or two pieces of pop culture to recommend with debates and unkind words. My name is Robert Beach, and I am the man behind the wheel. Thank you for joining us for our first or potentially last episode. I haven't decided yet. It could be both. But for now, let me introduce the enigmatic group of pop culture scholars. So in our first segments of Rec Report, the guests reveal their picks and then their premises of those picks. We'll go around the virtual room and start with the man getting paid to write words. Mr. Bren Dan, state your name and your pick. Um, My name is Brendan Hesse. My pick is Warframe. Warframe. Wonderful, wonderful. Next up is Dylan Tierney, freelancer and host of the podcast Grind Forever and PNB. 
State your name and pick for the record. Uh, my name is Dylan Tierney, and I am picking the Nintendo Switch. An entire console. Holy it's crap. Okay, great. But, you know. My left and your right, right is sportsman watcher Michael Jones. Skull Island. I was about to get there, but, uh, you know. Well, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, like, uh, you say your name, so put a voice to the name. Repetition. It's a little better, you know. All right. And last but not least, we have Mr. Reese with an H and a Y Egner. State your name and pick, friend. I'm Reese Egner, and I'll be defending Final Fantasy 15. Final Fantasy because the game Holy only shit. needs oh boy. defense. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a mess. But it's a good mess. Interesting episode up ahead. All right. One last thing. I am Robert Beach, obviously, and my pick is going to be Atomic Blonde, another film. More like Robert Bitch. Thank you very much, Michael. I'm going to mute you for the rest Man, of the he's episode. Already kicked out. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> All I'm right. So honestly, I'm surprised it took me this long. <laughs> now that we're acquainted. It's okay, get it out of the way. Okay, Brendan Hesse. What's up? What is the premise of Warframe? Um, Warframe, right? Yeah. You know, I don't actually know the deep lore of this game, but I can tell you. I do. Well, I figured I figured Reese probably would uh, be able to fill in some Great of the blank spots here. I only have I only have about 15 hours in it. I only recently discovered it, but basically, Warframe is kind of a third-person shooter with some slight uh, RPG-ish elements, a lot of loot. A lot of grinding type of oh, stuff. Oh, Jesus Christ, I have 600 hours in it. Um, How do you find all that time to play? On so, top of Overwatch. I mean, on top of hey, everything Reese, you else. you want to talk over this? Yeah, I, I might, I might want to see the floor to Reese on some of this stuff. But anyway, it's a sci-fi <laughs> setting. You're uh, part of a race of... I don't know if you're like a human or a human offshoot known as a Tenno. Ninjas. Yeah. They look and like ninjas. Yeah, you're, you're like space ninjas. Uh, you get to pick between um, different classes of sorts, which are called Warframes. There's tons of different ones. They all have different abilities, different looks, uh, super customizable. You can change, like, you know, the different type of skin or color or what, what have you. Um, the reason I picked this game, though, isn't necessarily because of... Well, I mean, I'm a sci-fi type person, and I was drawn to this game because I grew up playing Fantasy Star Online, and I've been looking for something to approximate the feeling that I get from fan or got from Fantasy Star Online back when I was, you know, 12, uh, 13 years old, playing on the GameCube with my brother and some other people. Um, and for those who don't know, Fantasy Star Online was a sci-fi RPG uh, where you grinded for loot and went on co-op missions and that sort of thing. And that's exactly what Warframe is. Um, and shot aliens in the head, too, right? Um, I mean, that's what you do in Warframe. You didn't really shoot them in the head, per se, in Fantasy Star Online. Okay. But, um, I, I, I've heard of the game, but just, I've never ever actually seen the game in action. So I'm just assuming that uh, Warframe is Fantasy Star so it's got to be probably a shooter. 
so the um, the interesting thing is um, they couldn't be more dissimilar in terms of mobility and the fluidity of combat. So, you know, Fantasy Star Online was this really rigid, kind of slow, uh, very animation heavy, kind of like Dark Souls almost, uh, but it was almost, uh, you know, just the limitations of the hardware, I guess, at the time. Whereas Warframe, like, you're doing these crazy acrobatics, you're literally flying through levels at super high speeds, uh, kind of this parkour type system. It's extremely fun. Uh, the thing that I like most about Warframe is everything from the way that the movement works to the way that the weapons feel and the way that the combat is uh, kind of organized around you just uh, mowing down mobs of weird hybrid cyborg aliens or you know flood halo flood stand-in type things um, you feel like you're just constantly the, the most badass thing in the entire galaxy and that you it, it it almost feels kind of like Diablo in the way that you're able to, and Diablo 3 specifically, the way that you're able to just eliminate, uh, you know, a huge mob of creatures all around you instantaneously, you know, you pop like, so for instance, I'm playing, I just recently maxed out my first Warframe, uh, which is one of the first ones you get, it's called Excalibur, and he's kind of like this hybrid between melee and uh, ranged, and he has a lot of uh, sword-based attacks for his special attacks, so you can, um, you know, my favorite one is you can summon this sword made of pure energy and just cut through tons and tons of enemies. And on some of these missions, you can get into a groove where you are killing enough enemies uh, over and over and over to replenish your energy, which is what you use to spend on these abilities. So you can pop this thing, this this uh, high-level ability where you're using an energy sword, and you're killing enough enemies to replenish that energy back, and you're just the, like I said, you just feel like the most badass thing in the galaxy. Hold that thought for a second. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I, I, I love the enthusiasm, but I want to move on to the next person with their premise of their pick. So next segment, we'll tackle just why your pick was chosen. All right, next up is Mike. Mike Jones with Kong Skull Island. Perfect timing because while Brandon was talking about Warframe, my uh, computer was like freezing and I could not access anything. Uh, we're good now. Audacity has been recording the whole time. <laughs> I was just like kind of over here like, oh, Thank you, Brandon. Kong Skull Island sounds great. Yeah, so that's premise Skull Island. I like the part where Sam Jackson's computer crashed. Yeah, it was crazy, man. I didn't even know they had computers back then. And then Kong helps him and... <laughs> no, so Kong School Island. It is a new entrance in legendary legendary pictures like Kaiju Verse, where eventually Kong and Godzilla will team up or fight each other. I'm not sure what happens. Um, um, this one breaks away from Godzilla pretty hard. It takes it takes place in the 70s. It's a period piece. It's actually a Vietnam film, and. Director Jonathan Vogt Roberts, who previously directed The Kings of Summer, a film I haven't seen, uh, he really leans into the iconography of like Vietnam films and and the the Vietnam uh, era film music and 
yeah, he, he, he really does kind of go. He kind of goes in hard to trying to make this kind of tropes. Yeah. Well, this 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 period piece is not half-assed at all with its Vietnam film uh, illusions and tropes, um, but it's it it does something with its characters by basically humanizing them that makes it worthwhile. And it's also got some gorgeous visuals. Like I'll talk about it in more depth later. But like, man, there's some some visuals you just want kind of want to frame. Okay, so again, it stars Sam, Sam Jackson, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, John Goodman, and John C. Riley. Those are really the main stars. And it has a bunch of other like character actors like um. Shea John Wig- Goodman, Shea, right? I, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, yeah no? I mentioned him. It's got Shea Wiggum, okay. who was in a f- couple of Fast and Furious movies. He was in that Run the Jewels video a while back. He's a he does really good work, and it's got Corey Mi- uh, Corey, damn, uh, the Corey, Corey Mitchell. Heyman? I'm pretty sure. No, not Corey Haim. Corey Haim is not in this. That sounds like a wrestler. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, Corey Hawkins from. Um, uh, straight out of Compton, he played Dr. Dre. He's really good in it. It's got a lot of good, a lot of good actors doing really good work. They all get characters to play, not just cannon fodder. Okay, I gotcha. So they arrive on the island by John Goodman, but under devious measures. Yeah, pretty much. They start they start some shit. Um, it kind of works like an inverse of Apocalypse Now, where. I mean, how 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 in depth do you want me to go with this? Uh, I'm just looking for the yeah, premise. Yeah, then well, that's we can the premise. Go it's basically into death. a bunch yeah. of soldiers under dubious principles go into Kong's home. They disturb things. They fuck with things they shouldn't be fucking with. And they bomb things. Yeah, and, as and, Americans and the, do. And the main conflict kind of emerges between Samuel L. Jackson and Kong. Uh, and they're all, of course, they're all trying to get off. But like, multiple characters got multiple. Or every, a bunch of characters have their own uh, motivations mo- their own, involved. Thank you, Robert. Their own motivations, and even the soldiers—they the soldiers don't really have motivations. They're kind of just like sort of grunts. But that's kind of the 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 life of a soldier, especially in Vietnam. You were like, you don't really question why you're here. You're just here. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't be characters and they can't be people. And I really like that about it. Yeah, so Final Fantasy XV, I just picked this up maybe two or three weeks ago, and it was essentially the only single-player game that I bothered playing for those two weeks that I actually had it on my PlayStation. And I have to say, while a lot of people would call it disjointed and a mess full of lackluster character development and a poorly paced story, it's absolutely all of those things. And at the same time, I can't help but really enjoy it because it's that wonderful throwback to what what would be the genre? It's just, it's a throwback to Stand By Me. It's very clear. I mean, the first thing you hear in the game besides characters talking is, um, is the song Stand By Me. They licensed it, which I think is impressive because... When was the last time a Final Fantasy game had a licensed song in the soundtrack? It, it, It still kind of boggles the mind. Because this game I mean, is... technically, they licensed a bunch of Final Fantasy music into Final Fantasy XV, right? Or is that... Yeah, but this is, like, external, like, from popular culture. This is Florence and the Machine that Wait, they licensed. What? It's not another... <laughs> yeah, Stand By Me by Florence and the Machine. Oh, damn. It's not like... It's not like Noboi Uematsu, and they just brought over his music from Final Fantasy VI. It, it's, a, it's an actual... 
an actual band. It's it's a band that has made themselves a name beyond the Final Fantasy franchise. They did not begin with Final Fantasy. They will not end with Final Fantasy, but they have a presence there. That's what I'm trying to okay. say. It's kind of like it, it. It's like playing Creedence Clearwater Revival in Consequel Island. It, it's pretty much the exact same principle. It's like it, it, they license uh-huh. it. That's right, all right. I'm trying to say. It's but it's weird to see it there because you're not used to playing Final Fantasy and seeing. Oh, hey. This is a real a real thing that exists in real life. You're used to playing Final Fantasy and seeing a fantastic world. Magical crystals you, and living planets. Yeah. Exactly. Which there are there are technically both of those things in this game. But at the same time, there are also smartphones, gas stations, cars, radio stations. Actually there's no radio stations. Uh, but like C D players, uh, just down to earth normal people, not like uh, you might run into a guy named Ziz. But Ziz is an overweight photographer who writes for a magazine, and he's just he just looks like a regular dude. He doesn't he's not wearing a lawn coat. He's not he doesn't have his hair sticking three feet into the air with an obscene amount of hair gel. He's just a normal looking dude. Okay, so it's and it's very strange to see it's a Final against game type. It yeah. doesn't feel. Yeah, it, I I think the tagline was like this fantasy is based in reality, and it works. Because it really genuinely feels like a real world where Final Fantasy stuff has been thrown in for good measure, and instead of feeling really jarring, it works because it creates a world that you're able to, uh, you can project. Onto Reality this world. is you can this. Final that Fantasy. It's a functional okay. world. Precisely. So when the crazy Magitek shit shows up, you're like, this feels like it's kind of breaching on this world. And then as you play, and it goes a little further away from the reality. And then you get towards the end and it pulls you back into that that more realistic tone. It feels right. Okay. And the, the the idea that it's a road trip with four dudes with Final Fantasy as fuck names. Uh, the fact that it's built around these four guys and their adventure as a group is really brilliant. Because focusing on these four guys, one of the big problems with previous Final Fantasy games, like... Uh, 12 and 13 in particular, so they had way too many characters. I can't tell you a goddamn thing about Lightning, Vanille, Fang, Snow, Hope. Two of them had pink hair. At least a dozen other characters. They're all boring as shit, but everybody in Final Fantasy XV is like either they're black hair or blonde haired, and yet I I like them all because they all have character quirks and they're all developed individually. They're all given time to breathe. At least the main four are. There are some problems with character development that are not related to those guys. Okay. But they're given time to breathe as characters and grow. So it's that, just like the the song they licensed, it's evoking Stand By Me, the Stephen King film. So in that way, I think it's a very unconventional Final Fantasy game. But even when the gameplay and the story falls short, I couldn't help but enjoy myself. I gotcha. So it's an action JRPG on top of that, correct? Yeah, I believe it was developed by the same team that made the Kingdom Hearts games. Interesting. We're going to move on to the next guest. Well, I want to say guest because it is me. I picked Atomic Blonde and reason being, well, I won't say the reason being, but just in general, the premise is a gritty spy action film set in the late 80s. I mean, it, it takes place like, oh gosh, like an east and west blurring 
And right before the, the wall came down, it stars Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, and is directed by, let me look at this, David Ledich. Ledich? Co-director of John... Leitch. 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 Thank you. There's no D in there, my dude. I can't read. I'm sorry. <laughs> Co-director of John Wick uh, and is currently filming, actually right now, to break the fourth wall a bit, um, Deadpool 2. Um, weird, but uh, basically the whole premise starts out as uh, Lorraine, Charlize Theron's character, is interrogated with MI6 after a mission in Berlin, and the rest of the film, you know, like, it, it fills in different scenes of what, what happened in Berlin as she's giving, you know, like, her take on the situation, but uh, it really catapults itself um, it, well, when she goes to Berlin to meet with MI6's contact there of James McAvoy. We had, we had a special intel on some special list with all the... All, all the spies, dealings, real names, if they're a double agent or a triple agent, yada yada. It, it, it's, it's spy tropes out the ass. It's, it's a pulpy film. It's, it's a real nice B-movie. But uh, that's the premise right now. So next up we have Dylan with the Nintendo Switch. Alright, so uh, the Nintendo Switch is Nintendo's... Oh boy, I believe Their it's new Mario their... Machine. Seventh or I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh god, here we go. Now, I don't know what the next segment's gonna fucking be like, but it's their seventh, uh, pos- or no, eighth console that they've made, um, and it's the first console that they've made that also straddles the line of being a ha- of being a handheld machine. Um, and the the basic rundown with Switch is that a couple years ago Nintendo consolidated basically all of their you know core game makers between handheld and console and they merge them together and uh they merge them together for this here nintendo switch um so you've kind of got the best of both worlds in that they've you know merged other development teams and and if there's a nintendo franchise you like that's you know pretty well presented you're gonna get a pretty good switch game i can guarantee you at this point based on what i've played on some of their output already nintendo specifically uh combine that with the fact that the it being the only uh, handheld out there, really. Um, Nobody's playing the Vita. I mean, I know the Vita's like five yeah. years old, but you get my point. Like, It's been dead for three years. You're, you're already seeing what the Vita was, uh, its spirit kind of be invoked in uh, the Switch. When I saw that they put the Sky F5, the complete edition on that, I'm like, oh, this is this is like symbolic almost, because those games were always uh, clogging Vita store shelves and stuff. Um so you've kind of got that sort of niche uh, handheld market going for you as well, where something like Monster Hunter, or it's Ilk, you know, something, or like a uh, Soul Sacrifice would come in or something. Like it's it's got the appeal in the West that we like consoles and a little bit of handhelds, and Japan obviously loves handhelds. It's doing spectacularly well um, in both regions. It's mm-hmm. been selling really well, uh, despite some weird shipment issues that I'm ch- I don't know for sure, but I'm choosing to believe that it's not because they're intentionally holding stuff back. The fact that they sold five million shows that they're getting stuff out there. They just don't have enough to fucking make them, you know? Didn't predict that it's going to be selling, like, gangbusters kind of thing. Yeah, and they have to compete with other corporations for these fucking uh, I'll probably horrible condition factories, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. Oh, well, yeah, like after um, the Wii U, like, they expect, like, oh, shit, we got a low ball on the Switch. Jesus. Yeah, this is, this is also, this, yeah, 
it's the follow-up to the Wii U, which was a failure in pretty much every single fashion, unless you're a Nintendo fan. And as a result, you, I liked the Wii U, but I get that <laughs> it was it was an abomination of a machine for anybody who did not like Nintendo games. Uh, uh, my my sister has, that has a Switch right now, and I bought her Wii U for like a hundred or so dollars, and I still haven't touched it at all in the past like four months. So it's it's yeah. it's there's no surprise why you're seeing a lot of Wii U ports hit the Switch. It's because they want to get it to get these games mm-hmm. in the hands of people who actually want to play this system. So you got Mario Kart, Splatoon 2, I would almost argue is kind of like a 1.5. You got Zelda, which is a Wii U game in all all intents and purposes. And I am sure you're going to get Smash Brothers and Super Mario Maker. Those seem like two specific examples. Yeah, but... if they put out uh, Wind Waker HD on the Switch, I'm going to get angry because <sighs> I bought that system for that game. Well, no, what they'll do is they'll have a GameCube virtual console because I've actually seen that pop up in the news again. God. But, uh, we'll see. I mean, if they get Melee on this thing, Smash Brothers, you know, <laughs> that's that's kind of end-all, be-all for a lot of people. Gotcha. Um, Anything else to know about the Switch at all? Uh, fairly affordable. $300. You're right at the start, and you know that you can find, you'll find bundles and deals and stuff along the way. Um, and I can't stress enough how good it is at being a handheld. It has a very simple UI. Um, it's because you don't have a lot of stuff on it right now, but mm-hmm. uh, it's still very quick to boot up. doesn't lag or anything. Like If you want to go somewhere, you'll tap a screen and it'll be right there. You don't have to go through like the catacombs of an Xbox ecosystem that they change every year and a half, or or like wait for menus to load on PS4 for five minutes like I have had to do. Everything on Switch is right there in front of your face, and it's very, like, sleek and modern-looking, which this is Nintendo, you know? You don't really get that kind of stuff a lot of the time. So, that is Nintendo Switch in Nintendo a nutshell. Nintendo Switch. All right. With all the premises stated, let's head into our first break. We're back. This time. Wow, We're back. Really on. Shut the fuck up, Reese. But <laughs> 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 the water. <laughs> We're back. On to the show. God damn it, Mike. Come on, man. Cut on to the this. show. In- <laughs> no. Yes. Yes, obviously. <laughs> We're talking. All right. All right. <laughs> On to the show and tell segment of Rec Report, where each guest explains why their pick is great and should be the victor. Other guests can chime in with their experiences and questions. That, well, yeah. <laughs> He's muted. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still fucking crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh. With that said, let's start off with the last person to go, which was Dylan. With the Nintendo Switch, why are you making this pick? Why should it be the thing to try out this week? Try out as in like buy, experience, what have you. Uh, like I kind of alluded to in my preface, uh, I really like its sleek design, both from a, a software and hardware perspective. Like This thing is a tablet at the end of the day, um, but it never feels worse for wear for being a tablet. You know, like the Joy-Cons, which, yeah... Uh, it was weird, but it was also weird when we called them Wiimotes. So 
these guys just have a monopoly on these bizarre syllables that string together words. Um, but uh, have you tried finging your butt yet? Uh, not, not yet. Although if it's it, okay. these Joy Cons have really good rumble technology, so I'll have to t- try it out at some point. Yeah, like I, I believe my my friend Jed wrote that article, and I, I totally believe him. It uh, the switch. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> we were trying to go straight faced about it, but yeah, uh, it it has that it has quote unquote 3D vibration, which I know sounds like dumb. Whatever that means, it's it's it's, it's just very yeah. precise and specific vibrations in uh, in rumble and stuff. That's it. Like it it's really good and it fits uh, really well in certain games, but uh, clearly you can see some of the patchworkiness of it when you play like Zelda. Clearly, clearly, they just poured over this Wii U game, you know. Um, but it it fits so well on Switch, and I've been using it primarily as a handheld device um, because it it just fits so well in my hands, and uh, has has a lot of different experiences on it because of the fact that it is a console handheld kind of hybrid. And that's the main the main selling point of the console, and why I'm recommending it is because like you may find a different appeal to it than I would. Because I live a life that's very much on the road a lot. So having a Switch on me kind of at all times to do whatever is really good. I can go to a friend's house and have Splatoon on me and, you know, not have to worry about signing into a console and getting permissions and downloading and all that. It's just on my person. You still have to deal with friend codes. It, friend yeah. codes and and I'll give Nintendo just a smidge of credit for uh, their friends lists are largely based on Mitomo and a bunch of other... Like, if you've done a Nintendo thing... Like on a phone, you'll you'll be able to find your friends pretty quick on it. Um, so I'll give them just a little bit of credit for that. Uh, and I would be remiss in saying, you know, like this thing is far from perfect. You know, it's it's very rudimentary, and the reason it's so simplistic is because it doesn't do much besides play games, uh, uh, much of anything really. I, I would hope not, because I, I don't. I I would never imagine someone watching Netflix on a on there, Switch. Like, it's so many other big better. enough. It's just big enough to where it's kind of like a tablet watching a movie on a tablet or something. But you're right in that the battery life would kind of just you know frazzle all that stuff. It doesn't have a great battery life, but mm-hmm. I've never had it be in a really particularly bad situation. Like I can always tell when it's going to be kind of low, and it's like all right, I'll just stop and charge it for a little bit, and then play again. The Switch is definitely. One of those things where it's unproven right now, as Mike alluded to, you know, like people like the Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo consoles for the Nintendo games, and Switch is not really being any different right now. There's there's stuff that's there that isn't your typical Nintendo fluff, but as of right now, it's not quite coming in yet. You know, you you give this thing a little b- bit of room to breathe. And a lot more units to sell because it's selling very well. You're, you're going to start seeing more stuff on there. You might get, you might not get your typical, you know, AAA, uh, you know, Shadow of War, for example. You know, just throwing out there. You might not see stuff like that right. on there. But there's going to be a lot of indie games. There's going to be a lot of Japanese games. There's going to be a lot of Nintendo games, and there's going to be a lot of, I'm going to say, stuff like Ubisoft. There's the, a company like that, you know, willing to try and push push the envelope a little bit when it comes to these quote-unquote inferior consoles. Anyone else have any questions or comments about so, the Nintendo Switch? Does anyone own a Switch? Yeah, right I, I'm okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to completely undermine my own pick here. Oh I'm going to say that the Nintendo Switch might just be my favorite console. 
right now. At least right now. I'm not I can't I'm not gonna make any, you know, statements about of all time or anything. It's only been a few months, my god. But it's my favorite console right so now. Fun absolutely. To play. Um, like I always have a smile and, on my face playing that thing. And to uh Dylan's point about it being so handy as a mobile um platform, I don't take it with me on the uh, on my commutes to work, but I do find myself playing it almost exclusively handheld for the sole reason that it allows me to do things with my time um, that it doesn't have to take up like it doesn't have to monopolize my evenings it doesn't have to monopolize my free time like if I sit down to, to play a game on my PS4 or on the PC like I'm sitting down to do that and I'm gonna spend anywhere from you know an hour to maybe even three four five hours on just doing that and gotta boot up the pc gotta turn on the stereo gotta turn on the tv you gotta boot up the playstation exactly that, you gotta... that's a really good point actually I keep going but i guess I'm and so um uh i was watching a video by the guys who do cool ghosts about breath of the wild and he describes it as um the nintendo switch is the most dippy console that he's ever had and by dippy he means he dips his toe in for 15 20 minutes maybe half an hour maybe just five minutes um i've racked up 200 hours in uh breath of the wild and i'm that would be virtually impossible if i were to sit down and do that um because i have you know i have friends social life i live with my girlfriend want to spend time with her and i have my job and really long commutes to and from my job so being able to have like oh you know what i'm gonna sit on the couch while my girlfriend watches TV and we can just hang out and chat and I can explore Hyrule or do a few races in Mario Kart and feel like, hey, you know, I got some time, some hobby time today, got in some uh, some video game time. Uh, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> Not to be totally hyperbolic, but like it doesn't... That's the exact experience the Wii U had, though. That's well, the entire pitch. I mean, still. yes, it did, but the thing about the Wii U is it all came down to marketing and it all came down to the way that they, that they positioned it as the kind of, it, they just didn't. Also, there's only like two games that people wanted to play. And they made it sure. seem like a, a tablet accessory for the Wii. Like I, right. I can do a whole yeah. podcast that is everything wrong with the Wii U, but like that is, and they learned from that and made for one. So is this, so is the switch, so is the Switch just a better marketed Wii U? It's, it's a better marketed Wii U like. with better technology. It's like better. It's what the Wii U should have been, and it also does not look like if a Fisher Price toy. Yeah, if the Wii U, <laughs> yeah, first off, if the Wii U, the gamepad itself wasn't fucking huge and, and bulbous and weird. It is. It is obnoxiously big. It is heavy and uncomfortable to hold. The bezels on the triggers are ridiculous. I mean, you have to be like six foot six and four hundred pounds to fit in your pocket. It's, it's, and, it's a, <laughs> and a capacitive. What is it? It's a. It's a. Uh, what do they call it? a resistive touchscreen? Uh, really? So yeah, you could only use. You only use like styluses and stuff, <laughs> and it was. It's a four eighty p. Yeah, it looked fucking yeah. awful. This is like single a touch, no multi touch support. So that's not much. But P. when you get to switch, you know, it's it's seven twenty, which still isn't like you know. The highest of high end, but it's still but really the, good. It looks really good on a handheld screen. It, it just barely qualifies principle. as HD. Yeah, it follows the iPhone principle where you f you have a smaller a smaller display, and it's like what six point seven inches, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit smaller than that. But 
that small display with a 720p resolution actually looks really good. When a Bizarrely, game reaches a native looking. 720p, it looks sharp. It's it, it fits the resolution because this is the right size for a display at at twelve eighty by seven twenty to be. And it's bizarrely better. Uh, right on that. It's bizarrely better than sometimes when you go onto TV mode. When you plug this, yeah, a lot. When you put this thing like on the Zelda. toaster and you rev it up, uh, it doesn't quite have that same veneer on on a TV like Zelda. You notice more of the like you know marionette strings on it when. That's because Zelda runs at 900p on the television, and that just doesn't scale. And up it doesn't have a consistent well. frame rate as a result, and they had to patch it. I think like multiple times. The patch point. fixed it. The game runs at 30 fps. Right, much right, right. Entirely. Well, and and part of why. Going back to the, like the Wii U comparisons, part of why the the Switch is part of why the Switch does what the Wii U did better is that the Switch is com- entirely self-contained. Like the tablet is the console, whereas the Wii U you had the console and the tablet, so you had this kind of tethered restraint. Whereas you could just take the Switch with you anywhere. You, I could sit in my living room and have the the dock for my Switch in the office like, you know, 50, 100 feet away, and it's like, ah, it doesn't matter. Like, I can just play this thing because it's in... Everything I need is in my hand. So it's... I don't know. Well, I, you can also store your Wii U in a backpack and just plug it in in an outlet. Ugh, yeah. Right, because you could be that I mean, douchebag from PAX that I see every year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I guess it, just to distill all of my thoughts down to one sentence, it would be, I wish every game was on the Switch. Uh, yeah, I... The way I play Switch, the way I is the way I want to play every single fucking video game. So, and yep. even to the point where I would want to play mobile games on it because it does have that touchscreen display. Like, I'll give me that Hearthstone port. Uh, don't get me started on the Hearthstone oh, port. Oh God, might I would, see I would, of Skyrim <laughs> or whatever it's I, called. That would be cool. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I'd 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 play not be surprised if they did. I would not be surprised if they did. They did uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, um, and that would probably put a. Uh, boot in Blizzard's ass to get moving on that because I know plenty of people who have Switches who also would play Hearthstone on Switch and that's like a separate mm-hmm. conversation but it just speaks to the Switch's strengths that everybody wants to play everything on this goddamn console. I want to play Persona 5 on this console. I want to play Pokemon on this. I want to play I want to play old games on this, you know and see how how it translates over if I wanted to play GameCube games on this I bet it would be a really good time. Why does Persona Q2 have to come out on the 3DS? Because the 3DS is still actually very successful. Burn the 3DS uh, to the ground. Everything enough, must be so. on the Switch. <laughs> they'll, they'll go full DS with it at some point. They'll kill off that 3DS at some point. All right. Uh, next up, let's go with Mike with Kong Skull Island. Why is that your pick, and why is that the thing we should be enjoying this week? So it's my pick because I recently watched it. I have not been able to watch a lot of movies lately. I am, like, so pathetically behind on the stuff that's in theaters. It saddens me. But I also do really think it's worth your time. Because you remember that last King Kong movie by Peter Jackson? Remember how long it was? It was, like, three and a half yeah, hours long. It was, it was yo, it, well, it, was, it wasn't three and a half, but it was a little over three. It was crazy. Yo, what if they, like, chopped a whole hour off of it? It made it like a fun, weird Vietnam movie through in John C. Riley. Does that sound fun? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still a big Jack Black fan. Shut the fan, you know. Now nah, he, he, you know what? 
We talked about this in the time. Jack Platt, pretty good in that movie. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, Kong Skull Island. <laughs> I, I like to, I just really love the, the hook that they took with this. They made this kind of psychedelic pick, uh, period piece um, with, with King Kong and a couple other monsters. There aren't real, it's not really a big kaiju film. It's only like two other really important monsters throughout the film. It's really more about the plight of the characters and them just kind of wandering through this domain. Um, Kong is this kind of this kind of mythic figure, although you see him all the time. And you have this really great scene with Kong, where he's just kind of he just kind of comes between these these mountain ranges and this lake. He just kind of sits down. He does ape things. And by the way, he's played by Toby Kebbell, who plays Koba in the, in the Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, he's mocapped by him. And you see it from the character's perspective. So one, you see how huge he is, which he's like, he's, he's fucking huge. He would eat the Peter Jackson King Kong. Break him in half like a chicken wing. And he just kind of chills there. He feels around in the water a little bit. And he grabs this big, big monster thing that was, um, that looked like it was going to terrorize the other dude. Um, so it just, it just basically plays him as like, this is my, this is home. He's just fishing. And the main characters, led by Sa- the Colonel Samuel L. Jackson's character, and with the information, this dubious information by Jeff Go, I almost call him Jeff Jeff Goldblum, John Goodman, <laughs> uh, led by John John Goodman and uh, Corey Hawkins is his uh, his buddy, his other scientist buddy, with Tom Hiddleston in tow as this kind of mercenary who you don't really know what he's doing, and Brie Larson, who's an anti-war photographer, and a cadre of Vietnam soldiers who are kind of just there because they're part of Sam Jackson's unit, and they're like, well, we're, so, we're soldiers is what we do. But the movie does this thing where it kind of pairs all these characters up, even the soldiers, and they have them kind of bounce off each other, and they reveal things about their lives to through each other. And it's not this hokey, like, oh, God, I family at home, I can't wait to get back. Sometimes it's so, something as simple as like, yeah, I can't wait to get back home and just like drink, just have some fun, just chill. And there's some people like, I want to meet my family, I want to meet my girl, stuff like that. But it humanizes them. And it, and it a lot of m- movies where people die in these kind of spectacular ways, like for instance, a dude just like looks up and snap, he gets, he gets stomped or snapped on by one of the big monsters in his jaws. Like, there's there's literally a scene where like some guy comes in, and he's walking around, and it's like, oh, what's what's that? It's, oh, yeah, it looks like he, a tree. He, no, yeah, it's a can, giant the, fucking shit. Yeah, oh yeah, amazing. okay. So you have seen it. Hands around, and one of the soldiers it's, just has the spider's leg going <clears> all the way through his body from his mouth. It's disgusting. Yeah, and it's it's really disgusting. And it's really fucked up. And then the spider tries to attack the other dudes, and it takes up one of the characters that is uh, one of the buddies of the other characters that you kind of become ingratiated with. And the fight, and the the fight becomes a fight for this guy that you actually care about because it made you, it made you realize that he's a person, made you realize that they're all people, and it and it also includes this one first person shot. The movie does this a couple times where it includes like first person shots of um, people shooting, like it's a like it's a Call of Duty game or something, which I thought was, I didn't think was cool when Uwe Boll did it, and I don't think it's cool here, but I, it's interesting that he tried. Um, the right, audacity right. of... I, I don't remember fun. that, though. Yeah, no, it's only yeah. a couple of shots. It's not it overdone, but the brief, audacity yeah. of him to do it is really good. And like uh, like you guys just said, there's 
that amazing spider shot, and then there are so many other incredible shots, like um, when they first get there and they're just dropping bombs on the island, you see the explosion in the dude's aviator sunglasses as he's smiling, and I'm just like, yeah, give me all of this, because <laughs> the director plays with fire and scenery and scale in really inventive ways. Oh, it, it's it's totally a movie meant for uh, large screens, really nice stereo sound. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's it's a really good big screen movie, which is why I'm really sad I missed it on the big screen. I would have liked it even more. Um, and some of those extraordinarily sh- striking shots are also used to highlight this the main conflict, the main dynamic, um, by pitting Sam Jackson literally against um, Kong because. Sam Jackson has pitted himself against Kong, even though he's basically kind of going crazy. I, as I alluded to in the previous segment... He's just a man who, who really wants to continue the Vietnam War instead of going home. Yeah, and he has found Kong as, a, as this adversary. Like, I'm going to take him out, and then I'm going to take out everything else on the island. And so that's kind of the main source of the drama. Um, you learn later why that's, that's a bad idea, not least because... Uh, your first instinct when you land on that kind of island would be to get the fuck out of there. But, for instance, there's this shot. Uh, Kong is rising up in the background, and Sam Jackson's back is turned to you, but he's staring at Kong in the foreground. And it, it's one of the many shots that stuck with me, but it's just this really amazing, coherent and brief bit of storytelling, where it's like, that... If Peter Jackson directed it, it would have been like a 10-minute slow motion... And, it would t- and you wouldn't learn much from it. And then like a 20-minute chase scene between those two. Yeah, yeah. Well, that chase scene would have been fun, but you were left like, where the fuck am I? What day is it? <laughs> uh, and also, as I alluded to, it's it's kind of like Apocalypse Now in reverse. Whereas um, in, instead of Willard, uh, the, the um, Martin Sheen character, going into the jungle to hunt down and kill Colonel Kurtz... It's kind of like, what if Willard was the crazy one, and Kurtz was just kind of chilling on his home, and Willard decided that Kurtz needed to die, but Kurtz hadn't really done anything wrong. Kurtz wasn't the one to start anything, it was Willard. So basically imagine... It's Spec Ops Skull Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, no, not a little bit. Um, there's a bit more to... There's, there's a bit more differentiation between Spec Ops and Apocalypse Now, but yeah, that's... That's kind of a that's a good point, uh, it, but here Sam Jackson is the it, he's like he's he's Willard's role, but Kurtz's insanity. Okay, all right. Any questions, comments for Kong Skull Island? Uh, sure. It's oh. a perfectly uh, prominent B movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say even more so because it actually gives gives more sh- gives a shit more about its characters than a lot of B movies. That's 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 true. Yeah, there's more time for my, pathos and character development there. One of my big gripes with the movie overall is that uh, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson and John Goodman are just flat as pancakes when it comes to characterization. They are boring. They are entirely pointless. Really, they're one-dimensional people who are only there for the purpose of filling that role. They are cookie cutter. They didn't really need to be in the movie. The movie really could have just been about Sam Jackson's platoon. Yeah. And maybe John Goodman. John Goodman could be there to so that because he's the whole reason to go in the first right. place. But Brie Larson didn't need to be there. 
Tom Hiddleston didn't need to be there. The movie could have existed entirely with John Goodman, Sam Jackson, and It Johnson. feels like Hiddleston and Larson got hired like because people or because they sensed they were blowing up at the time. But yeah, you're right. They really don't need to be there. It could have just been John Goodman plus the platoon. And the platoon's characters are sketched out well enough to the point where you could theoretically see them. You could theoretically buy them basically taking on the roles of uh, Hiddleston and Larson because they don't really do anything um, important to the plot until at the very end of the third act. Hiddleston, his character is a tracker. So, like, his whole thing is, like, you tracked him through crazy-ass shit, bro. Like, come track us through some even crazier shit, bro. I'm Rick Sanchez all of a sudden. And... And then yeah. that was really it. There's not much to that character besides, like, well, he's a protagonist. When you have, like, a King Kong movie, you need to have a blonde woman and then the guy who's going to save the blonde woman. I will say this. Kong and doesn't fall really... in love with the blonde woman. He's just like, man, who the fuck are you? And thank fucking yeah. God for that. <laughs> like, he saves right, her, right. and that's it. He's like, oh, you didn't try and blow me up with bombs. I'm just going here, like, fuck you. So, no, he just looks at him like, yeah, all right, yeah, you and me are cool. Yeah, he, he kind of gives that face... Like, mm, all right, I'm not going <laughs> to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I don't I don't hate the fact that they're in the movie. I get why they're there. They're there for I'll never say no to Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson. Yeah, they're not bad actors. <laughs> they're not They're not good for that yeah. movie, though. They could have been written better. And the thing, the thing that I will say in the end is, why the hell weren't their roles just I... given to one of the Marines? Any of those soldiers... In Sam Jackson's squad could have had the exact same role. Just focus yeah, a little bit good, more on the soldiers, point, get kind of that band of brothers feel, and then occasionally cut to Sam Jackson and some show the movies between the squad oh, oh, wow. and uh, Sam Jackson's character because Jesus. he's going ballistic by the end of the movie. He is <laughs> fucking crazy, and meanwhile, the rest of the squad kind of keeps their cool. They're following orders, but they're not. They're, they're questioning. Not yeah. It's kind of like that relationship between uh, Ishmael and Ahab, where they're observing and then they're watching this one nope. guy live out his life's dream of killing the biggest fucking monkey he could possibly find. Wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Ishmael and Ahab, like, I, I, I don't remember that pop plot line from uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, oh, oh Dick. Oh, okay. I only, oh, okay. I only the, greatest, <laughs> the greatest American novel ever written, Robert. Metal Gear Solid 5? <laughs> the greatest American novel written, Metal Gear Solid 5. <laughs> yep. yep. Call me, Call me Solid Snake. <laughs> uh, do you think Do you think that uh, the movie suffers at all from its sort of forced uh, into a cinematic universe of its own kind of thing? Like, I I really like I get that people want to see Godzilla fight King Kong, but uh, from what I hey, gather, what? and I I will admit I have not seen the movie, so this is hearsay. But a lot of characterization it does not and connect to the film that much until honestly, the end. Uh, yeah, it does. It doesn't really pull into the mains into the bit larger universe until like after the credits start rolling, um, where Corey Hawkins just just rolls in like, yo, I saw some shit. Um, and, uh, but other than that, it's it's a self-contained story. Okay. And the pre- so actually, if you saw Godzilla, the premise of that movie was like kind of, they weren't using the nuclear bombs to just test weapons, they were trying to kill some. And this, John Goodman says the literal the same thing. So he's thinking they were trying to kill this thing on the island when in fact yeah. they were actually trying to kill Godzilla. So like this misassumption, this assumption leads to these two events. 
Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm like in terms of like cinematic universes, you know, like I'm kind of cynical about them these days, but it seems interesting how they're going with like uh from Godzilla to Kong back to Godzilla and then they're going to do like then they're going to do their crossover team up Batman versus Superman thing. So Yeah. We'll see how that turns out, but it, I'm glad that this is at least a good introduction to Kong in this world. Again, it, it's still self self contained up until that point that the the the, the, the post credits the uh, post credits yeah. scene yeah the stinger stinger mm, that's the word right. I'm looking for yes yes <clears throat> so speaking of really good B movies Jerry Seinfeld I am going to introduce B movie yes mm. I get that reference I I I oh my god okay wow it it just hit me wow. I mean, they've really taken the franchise in a weird direction. <laughs> but... Wait, what? Atomic Blonde. Okay, here we go. Julia Louis Dreyfus's character really went off. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh, all right. So, uh, what part of the movie does Scarlett? <laughs> okay, I can't. I can't keep on with that joke. All right, I'm just gonna corpse all over the place if I try and tell it. Jesus. All right, there are no bees in Atomic Blonde. It just be in the title. There's one in the title. Oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> Somehow that going, was Robert. also a So how's the movie, uh, Robert? Do you like it? All right. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I chose it as my pick, so I'm assuming I like it. <laughs> <laughs> when does ScarJo fuck a bee? Thank you, Triscitable. All right. All right. It's, it's, it's actually <laughs> Charlize Theron, but whatever. But that right, okay. Mm. We're talking about Atomic Blonde. All right, so apparently nobody's picking about? Atomic Blonde. Go ahead, uh, Dylan, or not Atomic Dylan? Atomic Blonde. God, not. Let me tell you about Atomic Blonde. Let me tell you about it. Charlize uh... Theron. <laughs> all right, all right. Shut up. So okay, okay. My topic sentence is: It has its cake. Well, it. It has its cake and eats it too. Robert, that's, if I was your professor, um, I'd give you a fucking F. That's a sentence, yes. <laughs> Good, fail me. Please. Give me new direction in life. Alright, it, it's it's full-on style over substance. There's not much to like actually gain from it, but what's there is fucking great. Now, I, I say it has its cake and it eats it too, because it, it's full of... I kind of want to say redundancies, but it's just both like positive negatives, like rearing its head against each other. The, the most like uh, obvious ones are the, uh, let's say the music, the licensed music. It does get into the uh, Suicide Squad level of on the nose musical cues. Well, like she lands in London. Oh, uh, really? Let's play London Calling. God almighty. Or any other. Uh, yes, yes. It, yes, yes. But that's that's actually yeah, past Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad wasn't that late. Fox Daredevil yes. level of literal music. Hold tracks. on, hold on. It, it it gets better. Okay, okay. Yes, there is uh, David Bowie's Cat People in the in, in in the film. Yes, it was better in Inglorious Bastards. They did a better job at it, and they were before Atomic Blonde. But th- th- this is something real personal to me. They picked. Till Tuesday's, Till Tuesday's voices carry and Depeche Mode's I behind knew it. Oh, yeah, There it is. Yes, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It's like if like they have a Metallica song, I'd probably bring it up. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, but the fact that they brought up those two songs and, and yes, that Depeche Mode song, 
it's it's not I, I would say it's probably not in their like 10, 10, 10 top 10 best I want to say most well-known songs but just just the fact that they chose that song just just, just there's a little more like oh how do you say diversion in like yeah like you have uh blue monday or david bowie's cat people or killer queen in there like this is like or or like, like some like ones that like mark like okay this is the 80s just to signify this is the era that's in sweet dreams that's, made that's just like i think x-men did that shit too is there mm. any of that really weird shit like Pre pre industrial rock. Take when, on me. Like, was there take on me? Yes. No, there was not take on me. Not at all. No. Um. What else? There's also so you got that licensed music. The music also plays big into the film too. It kind of go veers a little bit in that Edgar Wright kind of like Quentin Tarantino direction, where they try to integrate the music into the film, where they start playing a song and it's playing through the radio. Then it stops because they're like going going off doing some action and going back in the car. Digest yes, that is the term. It has a little bit of that, but also veers more into the Miami Vice kind of like, well, this is just basically a music video kind of direction. Where it's just like here here's a song that's just playing as they're doing some slower um, parts of the uh, film. So let's say that they're walking from one hallway to the next, and you're hearing this up-tempo beat going on. It's, oh, it's, it's 99 Luftbruns. The film is very much about Lorraine, the main character, but it's also, ha- ha- I, in, the tra- in the trailers, it kind of makes it seem like it's fairly male gazy. It does dip its toe in that, but it also kind of goes back on that because yes it's it's she it's it's obviously a sexy movie it does have cheesecake camera shots of lorraine and same-sex scenes between two ladies kissing or like you know very much in heat yeah bro yeah yeah it's it's actually pretty good but anyway yeah it's it's rather like (laughs) affectionate and, and shines a positive light on the relationship she persists despite the toll taken on her. When you think about it, okay. When you think about it, okay. Vaginas take a hell of a beating compared to dicks. Hell okay. yeah, they do, Birth? man. <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> wrong. Birth, menstruation, oh, sex, and so on. The, the, the vagina endures all of that. Now, now, when you think about this, now who is the dick incarnate in film? Who, who is like the James Bond? Yes, exactly. That's precisely it. He, he's barely bruised most of the time, and he he, he pretty represents masculinity. Like this is the shining example of masculinity here. And like I, I'd like to say, Lorraine represents that femininity in that that, that spy genre. Interesting. Uh, I was gonna see Atomic Blonde when I had the chance there because of the John Wick cred. Um, the fight scenes in this, are they? Do they get kind of repetitive, like they did in John Wick too? Because I noticed that John Wick would use a lot of the same moves. Uh, versus one, there was a lot more variety, and that was the one that David Leitch had a hand in. Right. So I want to know. He, if, he's, he's a stuntman for all yeah. that awesome shit. He, he, he literally yeah. does stunts earlier in his career, but uh, yeah, they're they're fairly 
good. Like I said, like like some or just like her just like getting like a drag out like like a real rough um, fight where where they're just both exhausted. Like it, it's it's this real grounded grounded fight scene where, where they they're just like they they they're like on their on their last dying breath. But yet they're still trying to like throw a punch or. <clears throat> Or try try to find anything to perform that killing blow. That that that's that one is like the best scene for me because I, I I just I just love it when, when films actually try to act in reality and just like remarking on on its inherent kind of like I don't I, don't, I kind of want to say humor but just just the the oh I mean if you make if you make it a fight scene I feel like the, the more realistic. A fight scene seems with its impact, the, the impact meaning right. the bruises and the hits on each other, like the the more it's gonna ha- have an effect on the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just rolling on the floor in pain for a few seconds as they attempt to grab something to throw or hit at each other, and then there's these other other scenes where it's like she she's she she knows exactly what she's doing. She's taking her heel and like stabbing it to, of the person next to him next to her and then eventually she attacks the driver and um try, try to make some veer off in, 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 into some, some some structure to like flip over the car and, and like hurt him so she can escape she does so and then like a split second later she grabs seatbelt and holds on tight so she won't get hurt at all so she's she's been in that situation before she she, she knows what she's doing there and she's, you know, like barely getting out without much damage done to her. So you have those scenes, like uh, rearing their their head up against. There's like at least like two of those. Just just like rough fights. But I, I, again, it is a B movie. Don't expect much. Um, James McAvoy plays like this, like a, I want to say the foil, where we're just real. Real, oh, how you say, extroverted and just like outgoing and just ready to always have a drink in his hand, or he's always the one who's base who's who's uh, reacting on his base instincts. Whereas her, she's just she's the shut in. She she's the one who's trying to get the job done and <clears throat> just just real quiet about everything. Sounds like a good one. Cool. All right Sorry. then. Let's go on with Warframe. Brendan. Yeah. Oh, God. So, um, I, you know, I already kind of made a, alluded to a lot of this in the intro. All right, great. We're done then. No, I'm just um, so, You're supposed to be Mike, uh, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> my main point uh, for why I picked Warframe has to do with value. Um, it is a free-to-play game. So uh, when people hear free to play, obviously, I mean microtransactions, yada knows. yada, free to play. Microtransactions, yeah, you know, it's gonna waste all my time. And I gotta grind out all this stuff. Um, on the surface, on paper, it, it it could look like that's what you're getting into. It is a grind-heavy game. It has that same kind of uh, mission: go back to hub, craft an item, go back, do a mission type of thing that uh, you get from like Destiny or uh monster hunter 
The thing is, uh, that sort of system could very easily be exploited by a free-to-play uh, game where it's like, oh, hey, uh, you don't have this much crafting item or whatever, you know, just pay a little bit and we'll, you can make this armor that you really want. Um, but so far, and from what I've heard from other people who have played a lot more of this game, uh, Warframe respects your time, and it respects you if you decide not to put money into it. And I haven't put any money into it, and I've already played... I mean, I've played maybe an hour per day on average over the past two weeks. I haven't spent, like I said, spent no money, but I've already unlocked at least half a dozen melee weapons, a bunch of ranged weapons, I have two pet companions, I'm working on crafting... Um, my third and fourth Warframe. I've already maxed out my first one, oh, wow. and then I have dozens and dozens of uh, mods, which are used to um, basically upgrade the stats of your various pieces of gear, and they can all be crafted into stronger versions of that. So I don't feel like I'm lacking in terms of character progression. You know, once in a while I'll see someone who has, you know, some really crazy Warframe. I'm in the Giant Bomb clan, and you know they're there's obviously this kind of sense of like, oh, I really hope I get there, but I don't feel like I'm going to have to put in either hundreds and hundreds of hours to get there because of what I've already um, achieved. And I don't feel like I'm going to have to put in tons of money either because, again, of what I've already achieved. So, Isn't it like real um, like Mass Effect-y with the combats? It reminds yeah, me a lot like, uh, like the multiplayer from like 3 and, and it's, Andromeda. It's a, it's, Think Mass Effect, but a lot yeah, it's like It's like Mass Effect with a lot of acrobatics and parkour. Um, oh, and there's basically no difficulty. Yeah, whatsoever. I mean, it does, it's not a, like once once you get enough mods, you can you can turn every single enemy into in a room into mulch 100%. in a second. percent, and, and that's not even hyperbole. And that's um like uh, to some people that might be a negative, but to me, uh, what I want out of Warframe in a game like this is for it to be kind of like, hey, you know, I'm just hanging out with people. We're mowing down these enemies. Sometimes it does get hard, and you can uh, opt to stay in missions longer, and the waves of enemies will get harder and harder, and that sort of thing. But for the most part, yeah. like it's not it's not a very difficult game, but it's always fun, which is really important for a free-to-play game, obviously. Um, uh, Zero dollars is better than three hundred dollars. Just just saying that. Totally. And so you brought up. I mean, you uh, compared it to Mass Effect, which it does look and play similar to Mass Effect, but a lot of people... It clearly apes a lot of Mass Effect co-op's design sensibilities, or rather, at launch it, it did. It has evolved I, so yeah, much. I played yeah. it at launch, and that that's... Yeah. It is basically a completely different yeah. game. and It's really amazing how much it's changed. Yeah, and it just, so another yeah. game that people compare it to a lot is destiny like you will see like you watch a video on destiny someone you know like some streamer it's not uncommon to see someone say you know just play warframe it's the same thing but it's free um uh, it's not somebody who has invested 600 hours into warframe i can tell you i'd still rather play destiny destiny is the better game oh it, it totally is and i'm i'm not gonna say that it's better uh i'm just saying like you, you'll see that comment um i it I definitely like Destiny better. However, there is some points of comparison that do, in my opinion, fall to Warframe's favor. Um, You know, Destiny only has four planets. Warframe has 14, and all of them have dozens of missions on each. And they have, you know, they 
they vary in the type of missions you get. You get, you know, mostly you're doing stuff on the ground, but you do get some space missions. Um, and the objectives change from things like, oh, you gotta, you know, stealthily infiltrate this thing, which normally just devolves into you mowing down waves of enemies. You kill everything before they exactly. can hit the alarm panel. Um, yeah. My my problem with the with the Warframe design ethos with having fourteen planets is yeah, a lot of them do have unique designs, but in this in, at the same time, it's all randomly generated. They're all tile totally. sets. So instead of being a unique zone that you become familiar with, it's going to be a bunch of unique rooms that you're going to become familiar with. And it's not as expansive. It's not as visually distinct. The animations aren't as polished. Yeah. The gunplay isn't as responsive it is very bland i've seen a lot of people say i've seen a lot of people say that warframe looks better than destiny i say i think i think i mean for my aesthetic taste i like the design of the warframes better than i I like the warframes are fine at at times i think they're really over designed uh i like the simple look of excalibur i like the design of warframes like uh excalibur nyx frost uh ash and then you look at a at a warframe like hydroid or uh valkyr and you're thinking okay this is a a distinct evolution in the art style but it's still within the bounds of the warframes and then you look at zephyr and you're thinking okay it's a bit further than i expected you to go and then you get limbo which is literally just a, a magician with a fucking top hat and and cape and you're like this right. is too much and, but this, is, this is too much and this the, is stupid the thing is uh, for me I think again I, it, this is all that's mostly down to taste I mean there there is probably an argument there that uh, some of them do maybe break the bounds of the world that they're trying to make but for me I like the the aesthetic and the sci-fi that Warframe is putting forward better than I like some other games uh, in in maybe a similar space like Destiny. Um, I'm not saying I dislike Destiny's art style. I like it quite a lot, especially the level design. But the character design, I prefer Warframe. However, um, the other thing that people will say that Warframe has that Destiny doesn't have is a story. Now, whether you want to get into the which one's better or not, that's a different thing. There are things that happen in Warframe's story that are kind of... that do come out of left field in a really cool way. And I won't... Yeah, some of them have been pretty neat. Uh, yeah, I, I like the second dream, uh, for instance. Exactly, I just yeah. wish that this... I wish the story elements weren't locked behind three hours of the same missions that I've been playing on the last ten planets that are exactly the same I mean, on and those. that's... Like the first planet that you go to will have the same mission types as the last planet you go to. They do not and that's change. A valid... And even the boss fights don't right. change. Right, and that's either. a valid complaint. Absolutely. Um, but from from my argument, it's like this is a free game, and like complaining about having too much to do in a free game is not is not a common complaint that you hear. Even if it is a lot of the same stuff it's better than having not enough to do in a completely free game but even still like, even if it's um, free doesn't mean like your your time is not worth anything yeah, exactly this is, when it's free it becomes down well, how, well is my time worth this 
and you're yeah, and you said that Warframe respects your time, and that is true when you're playing it casually. Right. But the moment you start going into the end game stuff with the raids, which I might add, comparing Destiny's raids to Warframe's raids is like comparing, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's like comparing Halo 5 to a Steam Greenlight first person shooter with space. Yeah, Damn. yeah and like the boss fights it's... are not. You know, especially the Super boss fights people. between planets are pretty dull, and you know I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the open world stuff that's coming, uh, that looks I, awesome. I hope it's good. And if they really pull that off, then I'm definitely going How? to invest like another 600 hours. Yeah, in it, it, well, I'll be dead by looks... then. I don't know. I I <laughs> fucking did it once. Um, hey, 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 hey. Um. So you know, I that's in the future though. You gotta you know talk about the game as it is right now i would totally that's right. that's the cool thing about warframe is that it's constantly changing yeah. so if you don't like it as it is at one point in time it's probably going to change later and so i would i even if someone decides hey i'm going to go with the nintendo switch this week which is the right answer um going with warframe is not it's not going to even if you only play it for like three or four hours you're not gonna you're not gonna be wasting that those three or four hours because that early part of the game is so good. And if you're playing it casually, you know it does respect your time as a casual player. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I like is that they tie in progression into the story missions. I just I wish it wasn't time gated so often. That's another thing that Warframe does really badly is if you want to get a new Warframe, you can either drop like twenty dollars, which is absurd, or you can farm the parts, which is reasonably easy to do. The only problem is... You have to wait like 24 hours. Especially with this... It's 24 per hours part. per part. Yeah. And then it's 72 hours to assemble those parts together. And it gets worse because when you're doing the story versions, you get the parts individually and you can't progress in the story until you have assembled the part completely. Which means, unless you are literally logging in and logging out to the very minute, there's going to be... At least six days, maybe six, uh, at least six and a half days, maybe even a full week from starting a quest to get a new Warframe to when you actually Now, have from it. a design perspective, objectively, that sounds terrible. But for me, as someone who's like, doesn't have the time or necessarily even the desire to put in dozens and dozens of hours into this game. 600 day, hours I, even, yes. That's that's okay to me. Like I'm like oh no, that well. Makes sense. Never for mind. the record, I was in high school. <laughs> okay. Oh god. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So this game has been out yeah, for a while. It's a five-year-old game. I am in. I'm when, going to university next year just to give an idea. And I went through community college. Uh, 2013 yeah. during my you sophomore year. Of high school. It's, it's me. It's gone through. <laughs> that would have been my yeah during my sophomore year. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, I went through my sophomore year, junior year, senior year, graduated, community college, finished that. Yeah, that makes total university. sense, because Call of Duty 4 was out when I was in high school, and I think <laughs> I put more than six hours into that. Oh yeah, Holy cow. a lot of hours into that game, for sure. I don't want to look at how many hours I put into the Call of Duty <laughs> games in the past couple of years. It would be, I'm very glad that there's no time, like, Xbox has a timer, and Steam has a timer, and Origins, and Uplay, but... PlayStation, the PlayStation, PlayStation 4, 4 doesn't judge you. It's like, look, we know you're <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. 
PS4, yeah, <laughs> PS4 doesn't remind me of how many nights I've uh, stayed up until 3 a.m. playing COD. I Good don't Lord. want to be reminded of that, and I, I don't want to have to look up to that and think, oh, that was me at one point in time. <laughs> well, Reese, um, how many hours did you put into Final Fantasy 15? Oh, that's actually a great segue right there. Um, Final Fantasy 15. It genuinely surprised me that I was expecting to go in for a deep dive and play for 60 to 80 hours, and you could absolutely do that if you wanted to, but I finished the game around the 25-hour mark, which is not only absurd if you look at how long it takes for you to complete any other game in the series, sounds like this, the NES games, but it's absurd for really any JRPG to be over in 25 hours if you're not called Chrono Trigger. Because just the idea that a, a, a game this dense with content would be... Oh, and I should note, the first, the first half of the game is an open world, and the second half is pretty linear. The first half can take anywhere from 3 to 40 hours, and then the second half of the game is maybe 4 four to five hours of uh, story. Maybe maybe six or seven, I'd say. That's actually a fair estimate. My point is you can finish this game in about 10 hours if you really hustle. If you're not doing any of the side missions, it's over pretty quick as far as Final Fantasy games go. And yet I still felt compelled to do the side missions, not because they were fun, but because just exploring the world and hearing the conversations between the protagonists and like I said previously, their names are Final Fantasy as fuck. Noctis, uh, Lucis, Calum. Uh, Ignis, Prompto, Gladiolus. I'd never bothered with their last names. Prompto. Yeah, he sounds like every time somebody's like, Prompto, I'm like, yes, that's the thing that pops up when I'm using Windows, right? A Prompto. <laughs> I'm going to name my kid Hurry. And uh, yeah, the thing that I like, though, is that you get this sense that they've all known each other for years. The game says these guys have been friends or at least a decade and a half. They've known each other since they were little kids. And you really get a sense for that because of the way they talk to each other. They never say, nobody ever says, hey, Gladiolus, come here. They're like, hey, Gladio, help me. Uh, they call Ignis Iggy. They call Noctis Noct. They're not using their full names. They're referring to each other by nicknames because they're that familiar with each other. And the main character, Noctis, is royalty. And there's a sense that people address, if people recognize him, they address him as royalty, but his friends don't ever, don't ever hold him in such high regard because they respect him as a friend, not necessarily as a king, which, spoiler alert, his dad dies in like the first hour. He's king for most of the game. But what, what I don't want to talk about is the story mm -hmm. because you can't really talk about the story without spoiling everything. I, I'd say... The closest analog to 15 story, and the reason, probably the reason I liked it so much, is because it reminds me of Final Fantasy VI in the best of ways and the worst. That's high praise. Okay. You have, you have an ensemble cast that is like a quarter the size, where instead of having one central character, like you don't have a Cloud Strife, you don't have a... Uh, you don't have a Cecil, you don't have 
it, it, you don't have a central person that the story focuses on. It is all four main characters. Noctis is the most important of them, just as Terra was in Final Fantasy VI. That does not necessarily mean that they are the most important individuals in the entire story. They are simply what the story wants to gravitate to as a focal point. Uh, Noctis is the last king who can truly utilize magic and can undo the years of damage that this empire uh, neighboring his kingdom has dealt. And Terra is the last Esper who can utilize magic in a world that is com almost completely devoid of it. And then you've got your comic relief villain who is like... and. and, and no shit the guy who's going around I'm not evil, <laughs> I have a British accent, I'm so nice to everybody, don't you see how nice I am? Here, follow me party I'm going to drive a car, look at how nice I am, I'm seven feet tall and I have a British accent I'm very nice and most definitely not a villain, and he's the villain he's the bad guy, he's the guy who's going to kill everybody in the end, he's like this is, like you see it coming from a mile away, especially if you've played Final Fantasy VI, because when was the last time that you saw that trope played out in a Final Fantasy game where you have the red you have the red herring villain and then you have the real real villain is the guy who's standing right next to him the whole time? Because it it hasn't ever come up since six, so oh, no, I'm not have a good piss, Mike. My cat vomited, and I, <laughs> I have my fucking headphones in, and my cat vomited. I stepped in it, so that's pretty cool. Okay. Oh, okay, that's gross. Um, I feel like I'm getting a little sidetracked here. It's hard to talk about a game that's just this that's damn fine. big. That's fine. Because unlike Warframe, where Warframe is just... Pure gameplay, pretty much, a, yeah. It's purely gameplay. It's mechanically easy to explain. You are a ninja, you have four skills, you can modify your skills, you can use cool weapons and modify those weapons. Final Fantasy XV is the story, the characters, the world, the quests, everything. And it does a lot of cool things with its story quests that you won't see in the side missions. And at the same time, it does stuff in the side missions you won't see in the story quests. But that's not the point. The reason I like Final Fantasy XV isn't because of the story. It's not because of the quests. It's not because of even the gameplay. It's because... That core relationship between Noctis, Ignis, Prompto, and Gladiolus, and how they're exploring the world and just being friends is believable in a way that I don't think I've ever seen another video game manage, where they talk to each other and you think, okay, these guys have known each other for years, where they explore and they they joke with each other, they tease each other, like Prompto has a crush on uh, Cindy Aram, who is the granddaughter of Sid. Like, there's obviously a Sid in this game as Final Fantasy, but Prompto forms a huge crush on her, and he's not subtle about it, and everybody heckles him about it. There is just nonstop teasing every time she is brought up in conversation. She's the uh, so you, overly designed the engineer, or the, the mechanic. She's the one who doesn't wear any clothes besides the ones that cover the most cool. important bits. Yeah, so that design is kind of ridiculous, and the camera definitely has its way with her. But um, the fact that there is more to her character, she doesn't draw attention to it. And the fact that she doesn't even realize she's rebuffing the she's rebuffing Prompto every single time he tries to flirt with her is adorable. But 
I just like that dynamic between the four and exploring the world. It's so vast and there's so many characters and creatures and there's dialogue that you'll hear out of them where they're just commenting on the stuff happening around them. It's like the sun comes down and everybody says, okay, we should hunker down for the night because demons are going to come out and they're going to be a huge problem for us. We're not strong enough to face them. So you're like, okay, let's go camp. And then you go to camp and Ignis decides he's going to make a meal for everybody. So you, you collect ingredients and you find recipes throughout the world and then you just have him make dinner for everybody. And you get this nice scene of everybody eating what he made. And also the food is beautifully rendered. It, I need to have something to eat. Yeah, it's like I, I, yeah, I need to have something to eat when I'm playing the game or I need to be on a full stomach because if I'm not, I'm going to look at the cheese pizza or the deep fried skewers and I'm going to think, Fuck, I really want to eat that. Like, Square Enix nails the design of that, and it works so well. You just, it, this, this, it's like the longest road trip. You'll just, you'll, you'll have your characters go to sleep and avoid the demons, and they'll wake up in the day, and you'll go pick a random side quest to do, and you're not going to do it because it's fun. You're going to do it because you have fun listening to the characters and listening to their interactions. You, you sit in the car, and everybody's, just silent, but they're doing stuff. They're expressing themselves in a visual way that wouldn't any other game would just have the the top down and then the characters rant for five minutes. Like even Grand Theft Auto does that. And while GTA does communicates the characters' relationships really well through dialogue, you never get this visual sense of who the people are. It's like Prompto's in the front seat and he'll just be flipping through the pictures on his camera, and that's another thing I'll get into. But He'll turn around and he'll just start talking with Noctis and Gladiolus, or Gladio will pick up a book and just start reading, or Noctis will sit on the back seat while the car's going at 60 miles an hour. And in any other video game, he'd be dead, but this is Final Fantasy, so rule of cool. It, it, it just feels and, like there's, there's an actual set of characters there, like when you're actually playing the game, yeah. They're people. Yeah, you're watching them be friends. I, I, did, I never really formed a connection to Noctis because I didn't want to. He's not really supposed to be a person that the player projects onto. The player's supposed to project onto the party. And it works. When when the story takes a turn for the dark, and it, it gets dark, it goes from being this light and fluffy adventure about these four dudes and, oh no, the main character's dad died and it's very sad. He's going to reclaim the crown and save everybody. And then you get into the second half of the game and it's just like, and one of your party members is permanently mutilated and he's that way for the rest of the game and he's a drag on everybody because he's critically injured and he will never recover. The game makes it very clear. It's like, he's fucked. He's a liability for the rest of the game. And you feel it. And you feel sorry for him and you feel angry that it happened. And another character goes through emotional trauma and Noctis, of course, is a Final Fantasy protagonist who's a pretty boy he's going to go through some angst and you just get this sense that everybody here has their de inner demons and then there's the literal demons too but okay. those are unrelated all right okay so wait but i have i have a quick question yeah uh yeah, yeah. assign each of us a role out of the four of them right now on um, the spot okay great yeah, okay well we've got okay we've got we've got five people here <laughs> so um Wait, wait, wait. No, keep, keep yourself out of it. The, the other four. Is he, though? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to keep myself out of it. So, uh... I've got bigger I don't know, man. If you were, if you were playing... I, he said 
I don't know. Reese, if you were playing us in, in, in superimpose us in Damn. Final Fantasy 15, let's go. Wow, you got really shit on. Yeah, so you're Prompto, Robert is Ignis, uh, Michael is Gladiolus, and Dylan would be You know, be the honest. ironic thing would be, well, I don't say, well, I'm a terrible cook, so I'm sorry. Cat, stay away from my microphone. Yeah. Well, you're also the voice of reason in every group. You're the one who pulls everything together. <sighs> well, he is the host. Have you have you seen the way he runs his podcast? Ha cha cha cha. Speaking of running a podcast, I think it's time to head to a break. Well, actually, one there's last one last right. thing, and I know that I've been going right. on for a little Reese, while. Reese, make that but, uh, pronto, please. <sighs> yeah, so it is related to pronto, but uh, his camera, and he just he'll take photos at random through the day, and he'll occasionally take photos that are clearly scripted. Like he'll take a shot of a major character. And you can just save them in a photo album and review them at any time. And there's even a button that lets you just share them. So I'm playing on PlayStation. You can just hit a button and it will just pull up the menu. Share this screenshot. And then I'll select Twitter and just post the screenshot. And the game does this on the regular. And there'll just be photos of the of the guys posing together. And occasionally Pronto will be taking a selfie. And there will be a couple characters around him. And you can even just uh, take photos uh, manually, you just pull up a menu and pick the camera up and then snap a few shots. Or uh, during combat, Prompto will take a few shots and occasionally the photos are going to look shit. They're going to just be awful and he's going to put a stupid filter over it and you're going to think, why did he do this? But at other times, the shots are just, they mean something. And even though it's just a completely, it's a random element of the game, it just feels organic in a way that I wouldn't expect because the characters will comment on the photos and they'll even say like, Oh, this is a really cool shot. Hey, there's me. Hey, there's everybody. And there's one choice at the end of the game related to the photographs that in any other video game wouldn't work. It doesn't matter. It's like this character's just, they've been going around with the camera the whole game and they've been taking photos, but you never get to see those photos. And then at the end of the game, the game's like, okay, here's something related to the camera. But with Final Fantasy XV, it's the last choice you really make in the story. And because you've been looking through all these photos through through the game, and I'm pretty sure anybody who's played the game can guess what it is, and will we'll know what it is. And anybody who, if you guys have been paying attention at all, you, you can probably guess what the choice is. But being able to look through the photographs and get a sense of how far the journey has come. And you can store 200 photographs and over the course of the game, you will probably fill that up, but you get an idea that this, this trip meant something. So from hour, hour one, all the way up to hour 30 or 40 or whenever you stop playing, you're going to see these photographs and you're going to be reminded. This was when I just started the game and this is where it ended. And that meant something. Oh, wow. Well, all right, then. That is settled. Now let's head into break. And when we come back, we will vote on which one to try out. Nintendo Switch. It's <coughs> going to be... It's, God damn it, shut up. Switch. It's kind of tough to just try it out, though. That's the thing. <laughs> no, that, no, that was we funny. Can do, like, it was just we can all, just cut all. it. And I bet Robert's going to cut all of my interruptions. <laughs> I'm the one who's going to be fucking with it. But anyway. What was that? 
Oh, that was my mouth. Oh, okay. Brandon's mouth is a proprietary app. It did something in a proprietary app. Uh, I said Brandon. Who the fuck is Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Begin segment three. Segment three voting. Wait, do we have to clap? No clapping. No Please clapping. clap. Please <laughs> clap. Thank you, Jeb. All right, so hosts... Guess whatever you want to call yourselves. You guys have two votes, and you can't vote for your own pick because that's say we are going to vote for your own pick. But uh, so you have four choices and two votes. Okay. You have to pick two well, we have, things. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'll go first, and I'll, I pick I pick Final Fantasy 15 and Switch. Those are my two picks. Uh, All right, then. I'll go. Uh, I'll go with um, Kong Skull Island and Final Fantasy 15. Okay. Well, he's, he's just doing that because he can't pick the switch. Oh yeah, so. oh, that's right. Uh... Anyway. <laughs> All right. Who's next? Uh, I'll go. Who's ready? I'll pick Atomic Blonde and the Switch. God damn. Okay. All right. Next up, Brendan Reese. Who else? Um. Okay. I. I mean, obviously. I'm gonna pick the switch. Oh really? The yeah, the man. The Final Fantasy 15 arguments were very compelling. The thing is, I just Final Fantasy. I, from Final a Final personal Fantasy, standpoint, come on, don't do reach like that. It's very rude. I forgot to mention that the game is mechanically all over the place, and the combat can be very frustrating. But so I mean, it meant something <laughs> yeah. to me. You're not helping your cause. <laughs> I, well, I don't care. I will. I will give the criticism. Criticism. I will give the game criticism where it's due because that game is full of. So flaws. he's being very. Uh, Reese is being very fair. So. I guess yeah. based upon based upon where uh, I would put my my time, I would go with Kong. All right, Reese. It's all done to you. I, I I can't believe I'm doing this. Uh, my first vote for all the shit I give it, I'll say Warframe because I I can't put I can't put 600 hours into a game and say I didn't like this. This is bad. This was not <laughs> enjoyable for me. That's like I'm not a fucking robot. I did have no, fun no, did. with it, and I can't admit that it has. Well, it has. You would be a literal Steam reviewer. Did put 100 yeah. hours into Fallout yeah. 4, and I kind of yeah. didn't like that. Oh, I have I, I can I can rant about Fallout 4 all day because I I have a love hate relationship with that game where it is wonderful to explore and everything else is shit. But yep, Warframe gets Warframe in. and that's a shoe in, and then Cod Skull Island because again, flat characters. But fuck, damn it, that's not a fun it's demon a tight game. race. God it's damn just, it! I, it works. Oh, come on. I I talked about vaginas. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why we don't want to you pick know, it. I, it's fucking gross. Look, I'm not a. I'm not some misogynist who needs. You convince me that Atomic Blonde can be enjoyable. Yeah, you convince me that it can be enjoyable, but in the end, Atomic Blonde just isn't my kind of movie, and I. I don't think I can enjoy that kind of action film. And I get that you like it, and I can absolutely respect that you enjoy it. Um, but it, and you know, have your cheesecake and eat it too. Because there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I like Skullgirls, Sue me. Yeah. But my kink is Charlie's Thrawn breaking somebody's neck. <laughs> very specific kink. It's a very specific one. Do you You're also like the off, highlight yeah. intro for Widowmaker where she steps on your oh chest? Oh my god, I need it in my soul. 
<laughs> in that new in her new All beach right, bod. To Mike's mm. King. Oh, my, oh my god, you can see her pants. Anyway. You just awake woken oh, Brendan god. right there. What? You just awoke in something in Brendan. <laughs> no, it was a, it, what you awoke in was utter disdain. You hate the French? <laughs> oh, French. Everything's yeah, a reference. There is a French lady in uh, in Tomaplan, but okay, that's not going to help me. Anyway, um, okay, so three votes for Kong Skull Island, one vote for Tomaplan, two votes for FF15. Three votes for Nintendo Switch and one for Warframe. Son of a bitch. It's Donkey Kong versus King Kong. <sighs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that, it's got to be King Kong. <clears throat> He's a king, not a donkey. Monkeys aren't donkeys. Could mess my boy my Donkey head. Kong holds down a job <sighs> where he presents himself very well. He wears a tie with his name on it. It's on like it's Donkey Kong Skull. Uh, well, we, we obviously we fly to the Donkey middle of the Kong country. Donkey Kong Jr. is my uncle. All right. So I'm curious. How did Moving ties on. work? How do ties work? Well, you, you wait. You wait for for uh, Nintendo to develop a video streaming platform <laughs> and put Skull uh, Kong Skull Island. So on Dylan and Robert have to kill it, try to kill each other, and Reese and Brandon have to try to kill each other. Nah, that's just cheating. You guys are close to each other, whereas I am far away. So I live, <laughs> which that sucks. That, that's not how I wanted that to happen. Somebody that, coming to kill I me. I think that means that Dylan and Robert have to try okay, to kill good. each other. We yeah. I'm about three hours from Reese. I am really not behind I'll the wheel today. You. I am lost that wheel a while ago. Just, just anyway, not, not in the bloodthirsty <laughs> mood right now. Just call me back in six hours and we can shed some blood. I mean, like I'm like I'm like Mortal Kombat on the uh, SNES, where it's just it's not sweat. blood; it's just a bunch yeah. of sweat right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It looks more like yep, cum. Me too. Mm. Thank you. All right. So how we normally devise um, ties, we normally have a number one and number two pick since we have five people voting. But if there's any last minute comments you guys want to make or please to change your vote to try to, you know, I have a question about the switch. Oh, boy. Can I play multiplayer on yep. the go? Like, say yep. I go to okay, so I go to brewery with my friends. We can all play a game. If together. the brewery, if the brewery's got Wi-Fi, and even yeah. if it doesn't, you can okay. tether your phone's uh, connection to it, and I can play games on that. That's, that's how. Yep. That's how you play. You don't question when you're on the go, exactly. which is actually pretty cool. You got question the number two. Party pack. Tether your switch to your phone, and then everybody pulls up their phones, and you just set the uh, switch on the table, and there you go. Se- second question. Okay. Uh, no, never mind. Second question is going to be a smart-ass comment about how I don't like Nintendo games, but I'm going to keep it to myself. I mean, that's honestly perfectly fair, so... <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I just... Yeah, so what if you don't well, like so playing Zelda actually... on the Switch? Then what? Actually, well, I like Mario. This I've never played a Zelda game. Never really cared. Breath, Get out. Breath of the Wild, super. Looks Get like out. my thing. Sounds like a Brandon, good start. Brandon, come. You're hobo tits, Okay. To call. <laughs> that was Reese. Oh, was that Reese? No, that was. I think that <laughs> you was, and Reese. That was, kind of <laughs> that, was, that was Reese. You caught him, Hobo Tits. We do. We do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, it's I was work. homeless for a no, while. It's got dark. So Jesus. No, I'd say Breath of the Wild is a great start. I would definitely say like you don't need any attachment to that to Zelda to get your enjoyment out of Breath of the Wild at all. Like it, yeah, it goes out of its that. way to piss on the fucking Hyrule Historia, pretty well, much. Well, it just basically like the mechanics of it and the yeah, it just does. looks like something I would be really into. It's a hell of a game. It's yeah. really fun. 
And is it getting Rocket League? Switch, it is Switch wins. Rocket League. Switch wins. Yep. yep. Kong, <laughs> Kong doesn't have Rocket League. <laughs> but Kong does have John C. Riley. Yeah, well, he's almost that. he's almost as good it's as a good reason not to vote. He's for almost it, I as guess, good as Rocket League. I mean, John C. Riley is a, he is kind of a micro the microcosm of that movie. He is. Uh, I actually wrote the note down. He is like funny, tragic, a little crazy, and still having fun. He has a very satisfying character arc. Um, yeah, there's a reason why I didn't bring him up when I was criticizing the rest of the cast. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got, I, you got I, a I bunch of a listers. And and John C. Riley is among them, but he's sure. so good. He's just yeah. He's been, this he's relatable. Doing like, what if what if Steve Brule was actually um, cognizant of his surroundings instead of always on uh, methamphetamine? And a tragic war veteran. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. And it works. So also, it like, really works. Yeah, like he he has a really great story. Um, I do like his character a lot. You get a sense of his background too, just from his dialogue. He doesn't have to go into exposition for. 20 minutes just telling you about how he was stranded on the island with a Japanese soldier and they fought for like a day and then decided, oh, we're going to become friends. And then they live there for 10 years or so. And then one of them dies. And he doesn't need to tell you that over the course of 20 minutes. They don't need a flashback. He just communicates it through body language, through his dialogue. And then he has the guy's sword and you just get this idea, and they've been working on a. They worked on a boat. They were going to escape together, and then his friend died. And yeah, they don't they, have to tell you this with solely dialogue or a flashback. They, they, they tell you with the production the design too. You see the sol- the Japanese soldiers like old little living quarters, and like how he was. It was very close to John C. Riley's. It's it's really good. It, it's back to that humanizing nature. It humanizes everybody, even the Japanese soldier, and makes him realize that hey, we should probably not be not fuck with each other. I really like that part of the uh, film. I, I just wish there was more of that interaction between the, the John C. Riley character and the uh, enemy pilots. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want for more of those two. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind having it in the film. It, 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 I, I, it's weird to say, like. I'm glad it's not in the movie, and at the same time, I'm kind of disappointed because that dynamic is so, so, it's brevity at its finest, where you get a sense for how close these two guys were, where they started so far apart and became so close, and this happens in a movie about a fucking giant gorilla, and here's this wonderful bromance between two dudes that you never get to see, but you know what happened, and you know it meant something. And that's why I wish I could vote for Con twice, because that movie's great. Ah. All right, so how are we doing uh, All right, again? how are we doing this? All right, well, we have to pick either Kong, Skull Island, or the Nintendo Switch the Nintendo for number Switch. one. The Nintendo Switch. Since it's tied, they're both going to be either number one or two, but only one can be number one. I am just losing my mind here well, I was and like, rambling. You're, you're doing great, Robert. Calm down. It's okay. Just, just power through. We didn't expect the first episode <laughs> to come down to a tiebreaker. Well, I didn't expect Kong Skull Island to be actually tied for number one, but whatever, <laughs> you know. Well, we all picked schlock, except for technically the Switch is in schlock. That's like the least schlocky thing we have here. Yep. 
But there is a lot well, of schlock. There's nothing on but it. schlock on there. It, is, yeah. it does facilitate schlock. But on the scale of schlock to not schlock, I mean, it is definitely closer to not schlock than everything else. Breath of the Wild is like the most non schlock thing. Yeah, world, that's. So. Yeah, where I come okay, down okay, to this, okay, like, okay, I think Skull Island's a really good movie. Um, but if, if it's like, hey, what should you try to get your hands on tomorrow? Well, realistically, you're yeah, not getting to Switch, switch tomorrow. Just... Like, let's just be real here. That is no. another issue. That's a good but... point, actually. Hey, oh. So, Conskull Island wins by default. So maybe Kong wins just because by Kong wins by because default. Because it's in every <laughs> Walmart kiosk in America. It's also on the internet. So, yeah. Hey, it... Let's not condone piracy. You know, there's here. a big difference between $300 and $30. Not even, not even $30. It's like bucks for like an Amazon Or Redbox for two bucks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it, it's like nothing compared to getting a switch. Once you get a switch, I mean, you can try not, like not going to be playing the But like, if you want like the easy use thing, yeah, sure, Kong wins. I can go. You're not going to be enjoying Con Skull Island for 200, 300 hours, but you are oh, going to enjoy it. God, yeah. And you can't take it on the go unless you put this it on a mess. or something. This is a mess, but it is my mess. It is decided. Who is the victor? All right, Brendan, who, which one's your number one pick? Uh, switch yeah. or Kong? Switch. switch, okay. Point switch. All right, Michael, Mike, like, Kong the, I, We're recommending basically try this out before you drop three hundos on it. GameStop? Yeah. GameStop and... Mm, they don't have kiosks over GameStop. <laughs> no, you're right. They're just, they're just um, thinking... That's true. Think analog you theory. have to take our word for it that this $300 machine like is worth it, it and... It is worth it. Dylan, you wanted this. You picked the Switch. I sure did. You you, you wanted this mess. (laughs) You could sell it for... Don't be a dick and don't sell it for much higher, but you could probably sell it for a lot more. I'm going to go Kong. I'm just going to be... Because I know Switch is going to win. But, you know, I I was in here like, yeah, I think Switch is pretty good. And the more I hear about it from the people who are advocating for it, I'm like, God, all right. I don't know. I don't really know. (laughs) Yeah. Namely, one you can't get it. There's a lot of caveats. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan, do I Kong. even ask? Do I, do I even want to ask? What? You're fucking with me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think in terms of like you know, if, if you're going with the format of the show, what you want to try out, it's really hard to just get your hands on the switch to even try it out. But like to get a Netflix, you know, view or a. Amazon rental or whatever, I think Kong would be a better yeah, bet. Yeah, well, you, you fucked yourself up, homie. Time, but I don't think it would be, like, you don't just casually walk into a scenario where you're going to buy a Switch or play a Switch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We spent, like, 30 minutes talking about the Switch, and now here we are. Okay. We're just like, no, 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 Whatever. <laughs> All right, so two for Kong, one for... <laughs> okay, Reese, your pick: Switch or Kong? I don't need to say it twice. I'll I'll, I'll just say Kong. Kong what? All right, so we got three for Kong, one for Switch. I can't believe I'm gonna say Bro, this. I came up with this like four hours ago. I, I'm gonna pick Switch. I'm sorry, Brendan. <laughs> you fucked me, Dylan. Can we just have like a Photoshop God. of that scene it's from Peter Jackson's King Kong where he's like breaking the jaw of the T Rex with V Rex, excuse me? And it's a, it's a Nintendo, or a Nintendo he's, Switch. He's just just moving the jaw. No, it's it's the it's the Mario. Damn it, I was gonna say that the Mario artist's hat. And he's just fucking killing killing a dinosaur. 
<laughs> if you if you need if you need that photoshopped album art, you let me you, know. And you I will get, that. you that's get amazing. the fuck on that. We need that. Uh, yes. God. I was not expecting Kong Skull Island to get past the first round. It's a little disappointing, but still better than the Switch. I was not expecting it to be good when I saw it, but it was. So. I wasn't expecting the I Switch to be on here, to but vote here for we Kong are. Skull okay. Island over the Switch, but you know. I wasn't expecting any of you to vote for Final Fantasy XV. Today's full of surprises. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's let us end this podcast before it becomes the next day. You know now. You all know right. now that any other episode that Prepare we do, to Kong Skull Island. we're all going to be like, but is it Kong? <laughs> How does it stand up to Kong Skull Island? Is it Kong it worthy? Kong? <laughs> Kong Skull fucking Island God is your legacy. It. That's uh, the legacy of this show now. <laughs> oh, this is so good. This is this is a, this is a Shyamalan we're twist. We're all such God shitty people. It. It's so we all great. thought this would be such a good idea. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right well, now. Well, I don't well, hold you. on a second. Hold on a second. You, you don't know when I'm going to release it. You don't, you don't know when I'm going to release it. It could be the first episode, it could be the second, or it could be the last. It could be the bonus. It, I, you don't know, you know? You just so this is our out. first Patreon exclusive. I said Switch. Switch. Okay. I never even I can't wait for us to launch our, our crowdfunding campaign. I prefer Switch over Kong, but, oh, God. I don't <laughs> I even say you know fucked anymore. This just in, have a Switch better than Kong. Kong wins! You really wait, should. Wait, uh, let me try that again. You really should. I recommend it. Let me go over why I recommend it. Nintendo Kong well, better I miss, than Switch. I better go see this movie. God. Go see okay. Nintendo Switch. Go, now go, go, go see Kong. Kong over Donkey Kong. <laughs> Final thoughts? God, I, I I don't know anymore. Just plugs? What do you guys want? PBCast.com is where I do my fucking shows, and they're pretty good, and I like what I do with them, and Grind Forever is a weekly RPG podcast. Where I talk with somebody about a RPG every single week, and it's usually like an interview-focused show. Okay. That. Uh, okay, I'm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, interview-focused show where you we kind of Brendan, just you're gonna plug what uh, the person really likes about no, a certain game. Or, so. I'm okay. I I just have to say because online trends. Hold on. I just have to say because I haven't gotten a chance to say it out loud to Dylan yet, but um, everything you guys have done post patreon has been so fucking good oh, i'm gonna cry I, like like pnb is i look forward to it showing up in my feed now like not that i didn't listen before but like i don't know you guys just have an energy now it's better that's super well, now that we bother to do it weekly <laughs> it's super good yeah and grind forever is the is a podcast it's the podcast that i wish i had thought up like i like it that well i'm super stoked you guys are doing it oh thanks bud I'm a regular listener now. Well, that's because I gave you the RSS feed because we actually got on iTunes after fucking twelve years. Oh, oh god. Yeah, but 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 still. Hey, listener's a listener, and if you want to hear anyway, my co-host Travis Foster talk with uh, this podcast co-host Mike Jones, you can listen to Foster and Jones, which is also it's on a weekly basis. But I think Travis, our our lovely friend Travis Foster, had some computer issues this week that might uh, delay some stuff. So. I'll talk about soccer with you. Yeah, apparently his apparently his his computer choked on its own dick, so he's <laughs> having some trouble. And and also, quite a visual. I'm gonna have a couple. We usually yeah, no, what, we what's uh, the, usually what's the dick? record is the on dick weekends. Like the and USB I'm about to have... drive at the top, or is it <laughs> is it the, the CD drive? No, is it... the dick is no, the dick it's, is the charger. It's the, it's the PSU. The power unit. I'll, I'll is it like a sheath? Yep. Like yep. 
<laughs> yeah, so, uh, I need you to experiment. Find out, ask around, ask some technicians, <clears> call <throat> the police, ask them what a laptop dick I is. I didn't realize that laptops were also lizards. The dick is inside. The Robert, is... take the fucking wheel, bro. Inside. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm just sweaty and, and just no, gross. No, real quick, real quick on Foster Jones. Real quick on Foster Jones. Yes. We might not have an episode for a couple of weeks, but go to pnbcast.com. Um, we have a few episodes up there right now. There's not a whole lot of news going on in the sports. Football's world, revving up, right? But we keep it. We try to be. Football is revving up. Spring mm-hmm. training or preseason is starting <clears> this weekend. Uh, we're probably going to talk more about it as the season approaches. We'll have a big football blowout episode to prep for the season. And then there's basketball. We're big basketball heads. And we also we try to keep it fun, but we also talk about some real shit. Can I have stuff. you on an episode where real I should talk Cincinnati sports for like an hour and a half? Because, boy, howdy, can I do that? Oh, bro, can, absolutely. Can I be on an episode where I shit talk Seattle soccer team? <clears throat> well, you that would probably yeah, just be you because we don't know dick about soccer. If you're trying to get, if you're trying to get a reaction <laughs> out of me, jokes on you. I don't give a fuck about sports. God Boom. damn it. Well, well uh, wait a minute. Is, mm. Can the Seattle, can the can the Ohio boys go at each other a little bit? Dude, Bears, Bengals, man. I, 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 Bears are a mistake. No, I mean you both like you just. <laughs> it's, which, no, which it's team the Bengals. Is sadder? It's the Bengals by a oh, mile, man. Did you see Bengals. that? No, it's the Bears. The, 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 the Bears got no. The Bears, the Bears got, got swindled, swindled by, by the themselves Niners. like seventeen they're, times. They're sadder. <laughs> so are we yeah, going actually, on a walk point. like an Egyptian or something? All right, so you can follow me at um, Brendan underscore LH on Twitter. <laughs> you can check my writing out at Digital Trends. I get paid uh, to make words <laughs> about things like speakers and sometimes lucky video games. Fuck, fucked it up. <laughs> All right, Reese, what do you want? Um, what do you got to plug? I don't have anything to plug unless you live in the Seattle area. Hire Steve's Plumbing to do all your plumbing needs. But I'm Tish. Hey-o. Yeah, that's exactly. Jesus Christ, I, I all went there at the I'm same time. I'm not even in the field, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Michael, Michael, Michael. Since you won, Ooh. what do you want to go out with? What, what song? song? Audio pick thing. A song. Okay. Well, since Skull Island won, I want to pick out. I want to go out with one of my. Yeah, yeah. One of CCR? my favorite uh, CCR songs. Oh god. Uh, no. Bad Why Moon. No, that? it's not. It's Why not for no. It's not for the sun. Let's go out with a less used CCR song. What about Bad Moon Rising? That's a yeah, good one. Yeah, let's do that one. That's, you know what? Your mom is the second that's like most the second used okay, up around the bed. Or Hmm. Warpigs works, yeah. Warpigs by Black Sabbath. Yeah. What about John Fogarty, his solo work? How about that? Any of that? No? Not really resonating. The man made his pick, Rob. Nothing? He did. Why don't we just... No. It's it's Black Sabbath? What if we just cut the podcast in the middle of the Yeah, why don't we just do that? Sure, sure. Just Do it end it as it our way. real unprofessional. All right. Oh, okay. How about this? End with Helix Nebula. All right. Goodbye. Boom. That nothing says Kong Skull <laughs> Island like Helix Nebula. I don't Nebula. have the rights that to that. Would, uh... how, how about we just end it with uh, Kong just screaming, a, just a yelling? Kong how yell? about that? 
Yeah, it sounds. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, there is a metal band called Kong, and they scream. Good night, everybody.